21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Well, it's really four things that we've built as a startup. It's a methodology, which I'll talk to, uh, called Waymaker's Leadership Curve. Because business organisation leadership is all about getting people from one point to another. Whether it be your employees and your talent, or whether it be your customers, at the end of the day, you've got to you've got to shift people. You've got to shift mindsets. You've got to shift behaviours, and you've got to shift people into a place where they want to be. So first and foremost, it's a methodology, and I'm going to come back to that because there's a really interesting story about how we took some some breakthrough thinking from the military and completely mm-hmm. rebuilt it for the organisation. Second thing is it's a software platform. And that software platform diagnoses a business, surfaces gaps in the business, and then helps those leaders and teams by asking and answering the seven questions, which I'll come back to, plan their highest value course of action and then track their progress towards it. And so the software goes and listens and talks and gathers in data from those running the business and working in the business. Uh, We crunch all that data through our algorithm and present it back and show an organization where they are on their growth journey, uh, where they are across different uh, disciplines and functions across their business. So they get a holistic awareness of what's going on around the whole business. And what are the most important skills and systems that they should be investing in in order to find breakthrough growth. And and that's key. The third thing that Waymaker is, is that it's an education. Uh, it's an education platform. We, uh, we Waymaker Academy is bolted on and baked into the platform so that uh, if at any time your team or you as a coach or a consultant Uh, is working with a client and and you've got to teach new things, then Waymaker Academy is an on-demand library of playbooks and content and uh, templates and frameworks in order to help teams find that highest value course of action and deliver it. And lastly, it's an emerging, uh, a growing community of leaders. Uh, We're still a very young startup, less than 12 months in market, Uh, But we're very excited to have partners now in Dublin, Edinburgh, London, Nottingham, uh, the United States, Australia, New Zealand. uh, And, uh, you know, I have been constantly amazed how amazing this community of leaders is in their capacity to help their clients uh, grow and deliver. So our, our primary customer are coaches and consultants that use our platform and our tools with their clients. And, uh, and so businesses who are stuck, and, and that's effectively the problem we solve, businesses who are stuck, they don't know where to go next and what to do, uh, uh, we arm their coaches and consultants with the methodology, the software, the toolkits to help them get unstuck. And, and they learn a method that is groundbreaking, world-class. It seems you did a lot before you started with your launch. You have uh, functionalities that are really serious. You have education system. You are building the community. You have 
partnership system as well. What was the business journey to the point of being prepared and able to launch? And when you launched, was it some sort of minimum valuable product or was it like full functional system? Launching is, I think, uh, an exciting and scary moment. Uh, and I think I think launch is almost too strong a word sometimes. Uh, I think our initial launch was more like, let's just turn it on. <laughs> <That's>, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was, you know, it wasn't any, you know, Amazing. fanfares and street parades. And it was like, you know what? Let's just turn it on. And um, it's working. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's let's let's see if this works. Um, we, we actually, uh, you know, if, if to tell this story correctly, uh, I, I had been running a, a consulting practice for about ten years prior to this, and um, and a lot of the IP and tools and thinking, um, uh, you know, had developed through that journey. It was just very, very messy, very disorganized, um, and. And so one of our first activities to do when we realized, okay, there's a market opportunity, there's something of value here that we should platform, was to start to test it and trial it. And so we absolutely went through that classic journey of, okay, let's take something very basic. Uh, at the end of the day, it started life as a spreadsheet um, and people answering questions via some survey tools, uh, very, very basic. And then we would take that data we would, we would process it through some calculations and we would see what we would get. Uh, and we developed a very, very basic diagnostic. And, and that was the very seed, the very genesis of, of the journey. Um, at the same time, uh, we had developed um, a method, a set of questions uh -huh. that really took a, took a long time to develop because if I go back about 10 years, when I was coming, or more than 10 years ago now, um, when I was coming out of corporate life, which I had a great uh -huh. time, loved corporate life, um, some of my best times, also some of my worst times. Uh -huh. um, and, and at that time, I was reading um, some articles, some research on the British military and uh, and how the British military had reinvented their on-the-ground operations, their strategic leadership and decision-making. And their problem was that as a military organisation, they, they were moving from a very traditional world, uh, very traditional enemies, to a very non-traditional world as they were coming out of the 20th century in the 80s and 90s into the 21st century. And their decision-making processes, their battle planning processes, the way they did combat estimates uh, were very clunky, very um, slow, and they needed to fix that for all the obvious reasons. And they fixed it by developing a small number of questions that if, if the leader of, uh, would ask these questions um, with their team, they would develop the highest value course of action on the battlefield and be, become a very agile, adaptive uh, fighting force. And, Amazing. That's and, pretty and, democratic uh, process for military. It, it is. Yes, it's quite surprising. And and let's not underestimate. And and look, I love my British counterparts, and our um, uh, we're part of the Commonwealth. Uh, yes. But let's not forget that the British are somewhat 
traditional. Um, yes. You know, if, if there was a tradition, um, the British would have it. Uh, so, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a massive mindset shift going on in a very traditional organisation. And that's remarkable. And I remember at the time coming out of corporate life, very frustrated with bureaucracy and overly systemized environments and uh, and thinking, well, gee, if, if this old traditional, um, very structured organization, the British military could transform their operations on the ground and become an agile, adaptive, decentralized, powerful fighting force for the 21st century, okay, the business world faces all those same challenges, financial disruption, digital disruption, geopolitical disruption, pandemic disruption. Um, back then it was SARS, not COVID. Uh, and, and I was like, why can't a business, why can't an organisation? Because they face those same problems and they're still stuck in a lot of very 20th century industrial mindsets. And we have to break those. And so I, I started to read everything I could about these seven questions and how they worked and how they functioned. And I, I was reading everything. I was trying to, everything. Let me just say that I'm sure at the time, if I was on an FBI watch list for Googling, you know, military <laughs> um, instructions and processes, I was probably on it because I was just trying to immerse myself um, in, in how that worked. And, and it was fascinating because it, these what they developed was seven questions that if you asked an answer developed the highest value course of action on the battlefield and therefore you could execute it um what i i very quickly realized in that research was that that's pretty much where the british military story stopped that's if you asked and answered those questions uh inside an organization well those questions are designed to to blow something up to to find an enemy and destroy them um, you know, we have different goals and objectives in business. We, we want to build something up. We want to find a customer and love them and surround them and help them buy things and, and have a better life. So, so the first thing that needed to happen was we needed to write a, a new set of questions. Mm -hmm. The principle we took, which is, could you ask and answer um, a small number of questions on a regular basis and develop the highest value course of action for your organization? And in doing that, could you create some byproducts such as the British military had, which was number one, a very agile and adaptive organization uh, from, from Lance corporal to general, you were asking these same questions. So, uh, so number one, you had this very agile adaptive. You, um, you could ask and answer these seven questions in the military hunkered down behind some Humvees in the desert, taking fire uh, or you could ask them back at HQ over two or three or four days and build a really complicated, complex um, plan. Um, so they're very agile, very adaptive. They're a language that you could use across the organization that would get something done. The second thing you could get as a byproduct if, if you asked and answered these questions was a flattening of the organization. As I said, from general down to Lance Corporal, you, you remove the hierarchy just because he or she is the boss doesn't mean that what he or she says should be what we do. Uh, rather, the best course of action is what we're pursuing. And that Absolutely. democratizes ideation. And that's powerful. You have to have that. And sea level third, is something completely different than frontline. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, um, you know, in most organizations, we create and we invent hierarchies that separate us from our customers. <laughs> and yes. uh 
And, and so the people closest to the customer, just like in the British military, the guys and the girls closest to the action um, are the ones that are empowered, uh, equipped and empowered to own the decisions and, and do the action. And that's really the third thing, a decentralization. Uh, you push decision-making power to the people closest to the problem. And, uh, and sometimes that problem is on the front line, will push the decision-making to the front line. Sometimes that problem is at the top line, uh, funding or, or board level. Okay, push the decision to the top. You push the decision to the people that are closest to the problem, and then you equip and empower the people that are closest to the problem with all the resources, thinking and skills and data to help answer and solve that problem. And that is great leadership. And so we thought, man, if we could, if we could figure out you know, something similar, if we could develop a small set of questions to do that, you know, that would be groundbreaking. Uh, now, that was harder than we ever thought. Um, and literally. I have a question regarding that. Are those <laughs> yes. questions quantitative or qualitative? And how can you something that is on sometimes very on very abstract level put into the, into the system and get something valuable for your decision-making process? So this is a little bit of the secret sauce here. The questions that you ask as you're developing your strategy, we call Waymaker's Leadership Curve, the seven questions, they are qualitative questions. And they're, they're uh, somewhat simple, but they've got some very deep meaning. So for example, uh, one of the questions, question two, uh, is around market. You know, what is our market? Who is our ideal customer? What do they value? Therefore, what perceptions should we be building? Um, that's an open question that forces you to ideate. But, uh, and now I'll loop back to the diagnostic that I was talking about uh, just a few minutes ago. Just like the British military when they're hunkered down in the desert and they're asking those seven questions or they're back at HQ uh, asking their seven questions, they've got some software in their hands. Mm-hmm. And that software is producing data to help them answer those questions more intelligently, more effectively, uh, faster, more accurately uh, than ever before. And so in our startup journey, we brought our diagnostic and our seven questions together and we started to connect the data model. And so when an organization takes the diagnostic in Waymaker, that doesn't give you all the answers. Rather, it sets you up to ask the questions. Uh, It does surface a whole bunch of gaps. And when you have that diagnostic in front of you, you have the quantitative data. And now you start asking qualitative questions. Mm -hmm. You see where I'm going? Mm -hmm. And so the two start working together. And as you're asking and answering these seven questions, uh, you're using the data set in front of you to help catalyze and develop insight and focus in on the areas of the organization that need the action. And, and, and that's part of the magic here. Uh, need, you can just ask and answer the seven questions. That's fine. You could, in fact, you can go to our website, waymaker.io, click on the learn tab. I think it's the third option down, Waymaker's Leadership Curve. You can get the seven questions for free. You can go ahead and just play with those. In fact, many a time I've sat in a cafe and had a cup of tea or a coffee and sat there and just worked my way around the seven questions thinking about my organization just on my own uh, 
just when you have those moments of where am I going? What am I doing? Um, uh, and that's very powerful. But it becomes even more powerful when you can take that method and you can teach it to a team and that team can learn a way of getting that business unstuck, uh, whether they've got spinning wheels, hit a brick wall or kind of trapped, you know, not knowing where to go. Uh, you, when you ask and answer those seven questions, it will develop the highest value course of action. And then Waymaker, the platform tracks your progress and your execution on delivering that. And so we, we really do have the quantitative data coming out of the diagnostic, the qualitative data coming out of the questions, and then quantitative and qualitative data of execution sitting in the platform. And, and our algorithms are helping uh, leaders uh, track their progress and, and focus in on what's next. So the engine, the system engine, are there some people in, let's call it back office or AI or combination, or when you say we, who are we, are you guys with uh, little robots or analyze <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it's a great question. Um, look, we're a, we're a small startup team, we're growing. Um, yeah, there's some people much smarter than I, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, that are um, helping bring the technology together. Um, uh, we would, you know, we're at version 1.0. Um, and, it, you know, in, in fact, a better example would be to say we're at version 0.1, even though we've probably built and rebuilt the platform uh, 50 times uh, over the last uh, two years. Um, we're, we're still in the very, very early days. And what's exciting is seeing what can be done um, with just uh, the emerging technology that we have and the simplicity of the technology we have. And I think if you were to put us in, you know, a couple of buckets, and I like the descriptions of, of narrow AI and broad AI and kind of human cyborg kind of AI, we live in the world of narrow AI and that's where we're pursuing our focus. Um, and that's the world where, Machines can do human processes really quickly and identify things. So one of the best examples of narrow AI would be um, you go to hospital, they take a scan of your lungs. Um, instead of the doctor just holding up those x-rays and reading them, they go into a computer. The computer reads them and in a few seconds, uh, there's, there's some data and some insights telling the doctor, oh, look, we've identified this and that and this you know, consider this, this, and this. And that's a really good example because that machine has read 10,000 x-rays and got smarter and smarter each time they've read an x-ray. And now that data is helping that doctor make faster, better, intelligent, more accurate decisions. And that's kind of like what we're doing. Uh, we've now analysed thousands of organisations and um, our algorithm has got smarter and our data set has got smarter and our curves have got smarter and we want to enable that solely for the purpose of coaches and consultants and business leaders being able to interpret that data faster, more intelligently, more accurately. And, and so we're building an engine that helps them do that. Are there any other elements of that specific learning curve? For us as a team? Yes. Oh, like 
thousands <laughs> I suppose so, so that's the reason I'm asking um, <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I think the uh, uh, you know the biggest lessons uh, gosh um, I think start some with of the, the biggest... smallest one <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah you know the um, gosh there's just so many and they all sound so glib and normal but when you're in a startup you uh, I think three of the biggest lessons that that came out for me, um, and I'm still learning, and I'm still learning every day. Um, number one, um, you've got to you've got to um, find a, a problem. You've got to find a really interesting, valuable, deep problem. Um, and sometimes uh, we have solutions and ideas and inventions that we don't actually really have clarity of the problem. Um, sometimes we have big problems and we don't have clarity of solutions. Um, so there's this period of time where everything's in the musha, uh, if I can use that term. Um, uh, and uh, and you, you're kind of just trying to get clear on the problem, work out, does my solution solve that problem? Is, is it the right solution? What have I got to change? And, you know, our solution has changed so much from what we thought it was simply as we've worked with customers and listened to our clients. And, uh, you know, so this, this pursuit of the problem and the, and the solution um, is a much, much harder and bigger pursuit than I ever imagined. Um, that's, and I, I, I used to run a consulting company, um, which is funny, uh, great background, great skill sets. Um, but when you move into a product company, you put all your bets on one problem. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a coaching or a consulting company, you, you actually have a number of problems that you can adapt to. Uh, but when you start putting all your bets on one problem, you know, you really got to be sure about the problem uh, because there's a lot at stake. Is it a valuable problem to my customers? Is there a big enough market? Is it an important enough? Will, you know, will people take action? So I think that was one of the biggest lessons. And, <clears throat> and you know, we learn, we are still learning on problem and solution fit. I think you never stop learning. You, you, you're constantly learning there. So that would be the first. And for people pursuing product and pursuing startup, um, don't underestimate the, uh, the tenacity that you're going to bring to solving that problem. And mm-hmm. I think that would be my, that would be my second learning. Um, you've got to have an unhealthy um, dose of resilience and tenacity (laughs) to do these things. Uh, You've got to be uh, a stubborn old bastard sometimes. I hope I can use that language. Um, Yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe... Maybe better terminology could be you. You can you can be uh, you can have commitment to yourself basically on the first place. Yeah, exactly. As a human being, as an intellectual, then as an entrepreneur. But what I want to ask you is: let's let's go back to that pursuit, hmm. problems and, and and solutions. If I understood you well, you're very flexible. And that's very good. So you do not do not have ego issues. You don't stick with a specific problem or specific solution. You you don't care about the ways for coming yeah, to, uh, to the right 
problem and solution if you had so much changing mm. on your system you do you do have to um find some humility there and mm-hmm. and and go um all right i've i've got to i've got to start to flow with this um, mm-hmm. uh and that's difficult because at the same time you've you've got to be stubborn enough to believe in the future <laughs> um Leap of faith. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you've got you've got to have this tenacity to hold firm your ground, whilst the humility and flexibility to kind of adapt to what you're hearing and seeing, and that's that's a really interesting, uh, very thin tightrope to walk. Uh, the tenacity to pursue and to keep going and to dig your heels in and not give up because you believe in in something, um, but at the same time, the flexibility, humility, and adaptability to 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 change um and i think that's one of the hardest paths any founder walks um uh, we certainly i certainly didn't get it right uh, all the time I, I hope we i think we're getting it right most of the time um enough of the time i think is what i should say there um because you've got to it's a very tight tight rope to walk I do not understand in your specific niche is how you cope with cash flow, with money, with in investment. Uh, mm. Is there is there any <laughs> are there yeah. any tips tips and tricks for? Yeah, I mean we we were very fortunate in startup phase. Yeah, I mean, um, for you, you need to. So I I suppose you are delivering. I suppose you are delivering solutions to your customers. And at Correct, the same time, are. you are developing new functionalities and you need to eat some food, drink some water, paying some bills. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, all of the above. Uh, you know, the uh, you have to invest ahead of the curve. Um, so you're always going to be investing beyond where you are as a business. Um uh, but in that in those startup days, you, you want to invest as little as possible. So we did lots of MVP. We did lots of um, quick to market solutions, and still do. Um, uh, I would consider us still in uh, you know a context of um, early stage uh, mm-hmm. where we're still um, using certain technologies to get to market quickly, to get market feedback, to adapt and to change. That's uh, We're still there. And, and I think you're always there because all your new inventions and all your new stuff, you're always trying to do in that space. Um, so, yes, you've got, to, you've got to eat baked beans for a little while. You've got to, um, you've got to you know, remove the distractions and focus. We were fortunate. Uh, in some respects, we had some clients that wanted to have some of our consulting and advisory through the platform. So we, you know, they were friendly clients that we could say, this is, this. hey, we're shutting down our consulting practice. We're building this platform. Um, uh, they said, well, hey, you know, take us on that journey. Um, so we, we were able to get a little bit of cash flow in, not enough, to be frank, um, but at least put a dollar in, in the bank account. Um, we raised a little bit of capital and 
uh, we tried to spend as little of that capital as possible um, in order to to grow. And um, and I think that's the classic startup journey. Uh, Is it a matter you, of uh, of uh, your local community support? Or is it uh, an international way that um, we need to think when we are in startup? I, I think in startup, your first um, your first one, two, or three rounds of funding are going to come from from local people, uh -huh. people you okay. know, people that believe in you. Okay. Uh, that's just my view. They're going to come locally, um, depending on your market and where you're going. Then, sure, uh, you know, we we now have. An, an international presence, albeit um, uh, small and growing as, as a startup. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's a wonderful presence. And there's people coming out of the woodwork saying, Hey, we, let's partner with you here and let's partner with you there. And, and that's what happens. Um, there's that old saying, old saying, it's probably an old Anthony Robbins saying the, the king of motivation um, action creates reaction, which creates momentum. And uh, sometimes, even if your actions aren't perfect, they create enough reactions that catalyze new opportunities, and you can you can develop some momentum and then start to direct where the ship is going. Uh, and that's, I think, one of the key lessons of startup life. Um, momentum is is actually the key that helps you get in the right direction. You know, if, uh -huh. if you've got a if you've got a car or a ship or a boat. Until you have momentum, you can't steer it. So sometimes it's better to have it going in the wrong direction with some momentum, so at least you can steer it back in the right direction. Does that make sense? Absolutely. One of my guests, uh, Tanaka, uh, he spoke about the difference between North and True North. Mm. So, True North is an old way of thinking about going into a specific degree, just, you know, True North. But then you realize it's okay being few degrees on the left or few degrees on the right. If it is still your North, then mm -hmm. you're fine. Do you use any specific MVP? Um, model like like uh, jeff walker model or polizzi model or or you developed your own model or how how do you communicate with uh, your uh, customers and and redefine um, your, yeah. your your uh, your product uh we we don't well what model do we use we we drink our own champagne we use waymaker's model <laughs> so it's amazing um, that's great we in, in fact um you know, we started asking and answering the seven questions um, back in 2014 or 15 in our consulting business, back when there were five questions and then they became six questions and then they became seven questions. But it took, it took um, sadly, it took almost six or seven years to write the seven questions. Uh, it was a personal kind of side pursuit of mine, not giving up on could I develop these questions? Um, and I would spend weekends just with a pen and paper kind of thinking through and rewriting and writing and rewriting and writing. It was, it was just a personal you know, a transformation bizarre. as well. Correct. Yeah. I just, I just, I couldn't get rid of this idea that if the British military could reinvent 
a military organization on the ground and develop the highest value course of action with just a, a small number of questions, then surely we could do that in an organization. And, um, and so we started asking the seven questions, gosh, almost, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, and it was the process of doing that that actually helped us transform out of a professional service organization into a product organization. And, and there were some, some tough moments there. You know, there's only one staff member out of a team of 15 to 20 that, that has come through to the other side. Um, uh, you know, we had to strip everything right back to bare bones and, um, and blank canvas and, and, and burn the boats. You know, you know that, that old story of, uh, you know, when I think it was when the Greeks would, would go and attack the, the Persians, uh, they, would, they would burn the boats. Uh, you're not going home. We're going to conquer this land. We're going to burn the boats. And, um, and we, we burned the boat. Uh, we, we killed the ship that was the cash flow, uh, which meant we had to conquer. Um, and so that, that process, that methodology was, was powerful um, and it worked. And, uh, and we just knew we had to turn it into a platform. Uh, to bring it alive and so every quarter we get together we ask and answer seven questions it's become a a business saving method if i could put it like that and a business growing method um, that aligns clarifies and focuses our team the remarkable thing is that what we have learned is that it's not just the answers to the seven questions, but rather it's the method and the process and the discipline of asking them that creates the structure, the stability and the strength in order to develop positive change for your organization. And and that's one of the key secrets to this process. Um, The answers are the bonus, they're the cream. So if you wanna if you want to see the seven questions, if you want to play with the seven questions, you can do that. Head head to our website, waymaker.io. If you're a coach or a consultant and uh, want to join our partner program and be licensed to use our seven questions with your clients and use the software and see dramatic transformational change happen um, constantly, quarter in, quarter out, uh, you can do that. You can become a partner to waymaker.io. Uh, and, and that has some huge benefits. It, we see it increases customer lifetime value for, for coaches and consultants. It reduces unbuildable time. Uh, everything's kind of done for you because the, the software diagnoses, presents charts, uh, does it for you. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful tool. Um, so you get to spend more time with your clients doing more valuable things. And because the data tracks quarter in, quarter out, week in, week out, um, there's a demonstrable ROI emerging of your impact as a coach or a consultant, as a leader on that organization. So um, we offer a 30-day free trial. Uh, anybody can jump on and take that free trial. You can you can take the diagnostic, put your team through it, enjoy it. Um, and if you're a coach or a consultant, head over to waymaker.io slash partner. Uh, talk to us, have a chat to us, and uh, we would love to welcome you to our um, fast-growing Um, community of strategic leaders and advisors who are delivering transformational results for businesses around the world. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.